This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Doesn't matter if it's punk, metal, or rock. Rockabilia is your one-stop shop for all band merch. They have over 500,000 items to choose from. Hard to find stuff that you can't get anywhere else with the largest selection of music merchandise available in the world. Doesn't matter if it's hats, shirts, autograph items, patches for your battle vest. Rockabilia will have you covered. And everything is officially licensed. Don't fall for the Chinese counterfeit band merch on Amazon or the targeted Facebook post promoting a bootleg product. If you support Rockabilia, you're supporting Supporting the artists. Been around since 1987 with 30 years of giving you the best memorabilia. And for special discounts, use the promo code PC Jabberjaw. So for your punk, metal, and rock memorabilia, there's only one place to go www.rockabilia.com. You wanted the best, and you're gonna get the best. Kiss, end of the road tour 2019. Goodbye to the fans for the last time before the next time they reunite to shamelessly cash in on your nostalgia. Kids! Don't miss your thrice-in-a-lifetime opportunity to once again watch these legends walk off into the sunset prior to the next cash grab farewell tour. Kids! Tour 2019. Celebrate the end of an era, or until the next time G needs lawyers to battle sexual misconduct allegations. It's the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Spych, Brandon Hahn, and Jocelyn Sharp. What is going on? Uh, Metal Sucks Podcast. What's going on, everybody? It's Petter Spych here, always joined by... Yes. Brandon Gooch, on. you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at your buddy Gooch. Do it. And Jocelyn Sharp currently is in the hospital. We are wishing her very well. She's going to be okay, but all you guys, make sure you send her a nice message saying you miss her and you hope she gets better. Uh, she's been in there a few days now, Yeah, uh, but the, everything should be all right. Yeah, and Jocelyn, uh, stop dying and be, start being a little more considerate. She's not dying, okay. but send her anything at Jocelyn Sharp on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and uh, she's not dying. Thank you. I don't like this karma that you just threw. I didn't out there. know. I'm just letting her know. Look, maybe her immune system is 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 you know needs to start thinking about other people. Get well soon, like girl. the fans. Yes, yes. <laughs> this week, guys, we got a, an interview. I'm super stoked to share with you guys. I'm talking to Scott Connor from Zash Tour. We are here to talk about uh, his latest EP, Astius Pretium 2018, and that is out now. And also, just the old change from black metal to the new doom grass that he's doing. It's a really fun interview. So make sure you guys hang in. In there, but before we jump into that interview, we always like to discuss the Metal Sucks news. And this week, Kiss announced a farewell tour. That was a great commercial that we're not going to get paid for. That was made by you. 
<laughs> but let's talk about like, uh, is there any any like? Is there any? Is there any to the Kiss Fair no, report? This there's point? no low that Gene Simmons won't go to in order to get that money. Like he makes it out like we love you fans. We do it for you, the fans, the fans, the fans, the fans, the fans. Here's seventy dollars for a Kiss lighter. You know what I mean? It's just like, <laughs> dude. I mean, come on. And we already know what's gonna happen. He, they're gonna go on. They're gonna go on tour. Then all of a sudden, you know, the clamoring's going to get a little bit loud. They're going to know just the right time to strike, and they're going to come in, and they're going to do the same damn thing all over again. It was announced on America's Got Talent, so it was announced on, you know, national TV to a lot of people. So, I don't know. I remember seeing Kiss, I want to say, in like 2000 to 2001, 2002. We all painted our faces, thought it was a big deal. Ted Nugent opened up, and but it was with it was with uh, Ace and Peter, and that was a farewell tour. Yeah, it was, and we were like, we drove to California. We got to go see Kiss, man. Forget this, and and then uh, that's fifteen, sixteen, seventeen years ago. Now. Yeah, and they <laughs> so they never mean, stopped. No, touring. they never, dude. Yeah. It was like the farewell tour. It wasn't even like they waited a decade to get back into it. They're like farewell tour, and then a couple. It just seemed like maybe a year or two later, they're like. Guys, we're back at it again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hide your daughters. It's just like, dude. So, guys, make sure you go see Kiss on this farewell tour. You'll never get another chance to see him again, is what we're saying. This is it. That's all. They'll never come back for sure, guaranteed, right? They're doing it for artistic integrity, is what they're <laughs> trying to do it for. Uh, <laughs> so. I mean, these guys are deep thinking artists with songs like Love Gun with lines that say, I remember I was in a very dark place, uh, razor blade on my vein, and I heard. Um, there is no tomorrow, baby. There is only today. Girl, I'll make you feel okay. And I was like, you know what? I got to live. I have things I have to do with my life. So thank you, Gene. Anyways, moving on to the next story, guys. And, and this one, I'm just going to say fake news all about it. CD sales are down 41% from last year. There's no way. Okay. How do you know that? Because I, I still buy like CDs. It. I buy more right. CDs this year than I did last year. <laughs> oh, okay. So, right. Of course. So, Petter Speich was the one keeping uh, uh, the CD market alive uh, the entire time. And since he bought more than he did last year, that means all of America followed suit. Yeah. I got, I got about a sec 10 that I'm trying to get to right now. And so, I don't understand why people aren't buying records. I get it. Okay. You know I'm, why. I, I, I'm, I get it. I get it. N- music doesn't matter what it used to. It's such a hard thing for me to like, just take that in and, and know it's true. Music doesn't have the effect it used to have. Artists don't matter. CD sales don't matter. I don't think, I don't think it's the fact that music doesn't matter. I don't think artists, I don't think it's that artists don't matter. It's just the fact that now there is so much content all coming out at the same time. And unfortunately, a lot of these same songs, they have the same subject matter. So you're getting the same message from this one song as you're going to get from this song. You know what I mean? When before, when before, when we were kids... You know, we would these the songs that would stand out to us. They, it was easy for them to stand out. It was easy for them to come across as different. But here's the thing, okay? As a as a as a consumer, when you hear artists that you like say, "Hey, you know, we're getting like nothing from these streaming services, like zero dollars," and you know, we need people to do this or whatever, buy physical copies, and, and the prices aren't that much different, and we don't care. Four four point six billion dollars was what the U.S. recorded music industry made last year. 
most of that, 75% of it is a streaming. So that means that the artist has got a huge pay cut because streaming is a lot less money. Mm-hmm. Am, is that a fair assessment to say? Yeah, it's fair. So in a lot of ways, we are saying that they don't matter if we're not buying physical copies. What I take from this is people don't want the physical copies, meaning you don't want the whole presentation of a vinyl or record. That's what like I that. think. That's they don't what want I it think. anymore. It's not the fact that they don't want it. It's the fact that they could do without it. They don't need it. You know, and before, Meaning it doesn't matter. It's like, well, it's not the fact that it doesn't matter. I mean, everybody still likes to look at album covers and all that other stuff. But now when you're talking about CDs or albums, a lot of people are like, well, I'm just going to, what am I going to do with all these records and shit like that? I mean, there's people like you that collect them, but then there's other people out there that are like, this is just taking up space. Let me just put it all on an iPad and sell it off to the nearest record store. And, and I guess that's it. Cause there's like, it seems like there's obviously less people like me. Well, as convenient, the thing is always with, with technology, the more technology grows, the more we rely on convenience and having to get off your ass and go to a record store it just to, to some people, it's just too much work to get that album. You know, I mean, you could order it like you. Well, I mean, you can technically that's I mean, I don't buy that because you could just order it off like Amazon and have it showed up at your door. But again, but again, that's it's already taken up space. They don't even they don't want to deal with that. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, so I, it's probably not fake news, but unfortunately, yeah, it looks like it's going to be gone pretty soon and I will have my record collection. And obviously when I get like bought out, I'm going to have to move to streaming. I'm, I'm not on any streaming services. I'm not going to join any. I want nothing to do with them. I'll stick to my physical copies, but there's obviously going to be a point where that's not even going to be an option what's, or it's going to be too much money. What's going to happen when people just start hitting you up personally for hard to find albums? That's what's going to happen. Pete's going to have a whole new empire. No, I wouldn't sell them. You're like the last entrepreneur. I wouldn't. I, I don't sell any of my stuff, like the cassettes and all that stuff, just because I like it. Anything I don't care about, yes, uh, yeah. I'll, that's the thing. Keyword. Anything I don't care about, I don't keep. Things that care, I keep. Yes. If there's a record that I bought and I'm like, wow, I don't like this at all, you know, I'll sell it. It's not a big deal. That's but, logical. Anyways, but you know what? Record does keep on selling nonstop. Another new story we got here. Metallica's Black Album has sold. It has now spent 500 weeks on the Billboard 200, and it sells still about 5,000 copies a week. So it's close to 17 million copies since the SoundScan era. Um, And there's only four other albums that have done this. So it's Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon, uh, Bob Marley's Legend, The Best of Bob Marley, Journey's Greatest Hits, and... Metallica. So there's only two albums. I don't count greatest hits albums as like an album. So there's only two albums. Yeah. yeah, That's that's actually fair that you said that dark side of the moon and Metallica's Metallica's the only two that have been on 500 weeks on the chart. Now, one thing I Metallica, we keep seeing that the black album keeps selling and selling and selling. Every time I go into a target, they have all the Metallica records for like five bucks, dude, like ride the lightnings, five bucks, master of puppets is five bucks. And justice for all is five bucks. It's like, so I really think that, Who's not going to buy that record for five bucks? You know what I'm saying? Like 5,000 people a week, it makes sense across the states. I mean, are people just learning about Metallica? Because I will say this too there are more and more people that are like that. Because like a Metallica shirt now is a fashion accessory, mm-hmm. it really is. I know. So you see, like, you know, major models, you see some hip hop artists and they're wearing Metallica. Maybe they're giving them a chance. Well, I think there's a lot of kids growing up and it's like the only band you need is Metallica, you know? Yeah. And, I do think and, that. And for five bucks, a dad's going to be like, I'm going to buy my kid uh, his own copy of Injustice for all if I'm at Target, dude. You know what I'm saying? And if you're a metal parent and you're raising kids, 
I mean, you have to introduce him to Metallica. Yeah. It's like, that's it's the like most, ACDC. Exactly. I guarantee you, Back in Black, I see that for $5, too, at the Target all the time. I guarantee you that that's, album sales are great, too. See, I would have thought for sure Back in Black would have sold more than the Black album by Metallica. I thought for sure. On I would SoundScan have, era, so not, we're not talking about overall. Okay. But Back in Black, is it's up there. It's right. one of the highest selling records. But same thing, it's, it's also available. And that's the thing, is that like, these classic records that will keep selling, they will be in like those chain stores as like little uh, side things. You know what I'm saying? Like here's here's a, a whole display of Metallica shirts at American Eagle, and here's five dollar Metallica records. That's why they keep selling. Is because they keep getting marketed in these like major kind well, yeah, of places where other bargain. where other metal bands will never they, ever they, ever. You're not going to see the new aborted record. At, you know, at the uh, for five dollars, five dollars at Target, dude. Yeah, yeah, it's not going to happen. People are going to buy the Metallica Black album not even because they love the album, just because they love a good bargain. You know, yeah. they're like, how can I turn this down for five bucks? I'd be losing money if I didn't buy this album right now. You know, one of my it's funny you said that, because one of the things when I, I bought my new truck was like I, I went to the guy and I'm like, oh, one percenter bought a new truck. I'm not a one percenter, <laughs> <laughs> but I got a, I got a new truck and I was like, I just need a CD player in it. And the guy's like, OK, that might be tough to find. I remember him saying that. tough to find. Yeah. And it was like had the fourth one had the CD player. The other three. No. Wow, and so, you went the one with, you went with the one that had the CD player in it. Correct. And how much more did that cost you than than the one that didn't? Uh, it, they were all pretty reasonably in the same. All right, in the same ballpark of that. Like I forgot how much it was, like thirty thousand or something like that. They're all like thirty, thirty-two, something like that. But when you buy an album, you burn it into your iPod, right? I, I burn iPod, it onto my iTunes, yes, mm-hmm. and then I take the record with me. Usually, I leave the record in my truck for a while, but then when I get home, like I have the the CD player in my room, I have the the vinyl next to my computer so I can listen to the vinyl records. And then I got like the tape deck and the CD player at my job in my office. So I actually have that physical media. I still take it with me everywhere now. But when I'm at the gym or something like that, yeah, I, I wear my headphones and my iPod. Well, I c- certainly hope that you don't bring your CD player. I don't, ha- I, don't, I don't have a Walkman. <laughs> I don't have that. But yeah, so anyways, moving on, dude. The next thing, another Metallica story. Okay, fans are once again pissed off about them not being at the Super Bowl halftime show. Now, even though they can get their mitts in the Targets and in the American Eagles and all these goofy little places... I don't think they'll ever get their meds into the Super Bowl halftime show. What do you think? I can't even recall how many rock bands that I somewhat enjoyed that did that. I think AC/DC. The Who, Tom, Tom Petty, ACDC, they were all great. Okay, yeah, but... But how many times? How many times did we get a rock or a metal? We've never had a metal band out there doing it. I would love to see Metallica make that that transition into, you know, the the pop culture world. I mean, they already have. That's what I don't understand. Like nobody listens to Metallica now. Like back in the '80s, you know, Metallica would scare people. Oh my God, they're so fast and aggressive now. Nobody's scared by Metallica now. I, I mean, lyrically, let's just think about this. Would Enter Sandman be too hard for, like, the NFL? Dude, they play it at every sporting event across the across country. Across the world, yeah. yeah across the world. Yeah. Enter Sandman is played constantly. That would probably be the one song. They would just do a medley where they go, Enter Sandman, and then probably, you know, For Whom the Bell Tolls, Sad But True, like a, a bunch of their more popular songs. And then they would probably have a pop artist come out there and show show off her fucking body or whatever. And, hey, look at me. It's Kylie Minogue. Or, I don't know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I mean, I, you went to like 80s. Yeah. Like I mean, I like Lady, yeah, Gaga. Like, yeah, Lady Gaga. Let's get physical. I mean, dude, that's what it is. Lady Gaga did the halftime show too. You know, another story we wanted to touch base on real quick before we jump into our interview with Scott from Zestour is uh, the Mudvayne reunion. There's so much talk about this, but I don't feel that 
this is what I th- I'm going to give you my thoughts on the Mud Raider reunion. First off, do you feel it would be a big reunion or just kind of like catered to a certain audience? I think, well, I mean, obviously it's going to be catered to Mudvayne fans. I like Mudvayne. I don't know if they're one of those bands that's going to be able to sell out a, a stadium or a theater. They might be able to sell out a House of Blues. Not that many, you know, that's not a huge venue. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think people would go see it. I think people would go see it. Chad Gray is a fucking, he, that guy's a rock star, dude. No, I mean, I, that guy, that guy earns his check. I agree. I agree with Chad Gray being awesome. And I, but I also think that. Here's the thing. They've moved on. They've got lives at home. They've got all these things going on. And, and when they do the reunion, they'll probably do a full thing. They'd have to go back on tour full time. They'd probably have to put out a record. They'd have to actually, I don't think a, a few select shows for Mudvayne reunion would really be the way to go with a band like that. They're not like a system of a down, you know? So they would have to up, you know, pretty much change their entire lives, get back into the bus and, and, be that full-time touring band for like a year or two. And I, I don't think any of those guys are probably like all about that anymore. You know, well, maybe Chad, obviously Chad. Yes. But everybody else in the band, that's probably why they're hesitating to, to do any kind of reunion thing. Well, and they, well, it's because they already have projects and things that they've already committed to. So, I mean, you can't bring up like, Hey, do you want to get this band together? Not, none of them. No one's ever going to say, no, I don't ever want to do Mudvayne again. What's going to happen is, is they're going to kind of go, well, I mean, we'll see, you know, you never know, never say never. So they'll sit there and kind of, you know, put the dangle the carrot in front of us for as long as they can until they all have that conversation. And I mean, Chad's going to go, look, obviously I can't do hell yeah anymore. The other bands that those guys are in, I mean, is there anything that has reached a popularity as Mudvayne? Then absolutely no. not. So then why wouldn't you get, get the band back together, make a little back. You're going to make extra money than what you were making before. I mean, hell yeah. And, and Mudvayne are pretty much, we're pretty much on the same level. Hell yeah. With Vinnie Paul, with Vinnie Paul. Yes. yes. I don't know what's going to happen with hell yeah. Without Vinnie. Yeah. They, they're, they're continuing on. I know that, but I'm just saying the popularity of the band, it, it's obviously going to, I think going to take a huge, it's going to take a huge hit. Vinnie Paul was, he was the face of that band. He was the reason I think, uh, he was the reason anybody went, wanted you know? to, g- he was the reason why people gave it a valid chance. I, I personally think that if I was Chad Grade and I had Mudvayne or hell yeah, there, that it wouldn't even be a competition. I think Mudvayne's a much better band. I think it's a much better selling band. I think the songs are better, but again, there's probably always more behind that story. All right, guys. So this October behemoth will release their new album. I loved you at your darkest via metal blade records, a crushing salvo of black metal majesty replete with hellish riffs, thundering drum cannonades and soaring liturgical choirs reminiscent of classic horror cinema. I loved you at your darkest is the group's most dynamic record yet. Pre-order it now at metalblade.com slash behemoth. Once again, metalblade.com slash behemoth. And be sure to catch Behemoth on the road this fall with At The Gates and Wolves in the Throne Room. With that, guys, let's jump into my interview with Scott from Zastor. Everybody, it's Petter with the Metal Sucks Podcast. On the phone, I got Scott from Zastor. Let's talk. Let's go back a couple years. With your black metal origins of Zastor, you ended it in 2010. Um, at that time, how did you know it was time to end that project, version of that project? Um, well, because um, everything I was trying, I was trying to do, you know, make an album that was as different as you could possibly make in a black metal type of template and uh, try to break out of the template. And um, to me, when I, when I was done with it, it just sounded like another black metal album. You know, and I was like trying to go beyond that and I couldn't. Uh, so I really needed to change things up. Like, um, 
lose all the distortion and lose all the, you know, find another way of picking and writing and other topics to sing about. And I, you know, I just had to make a huge change after that. And how, how hard was that for you? So the, the last record you're talking about is Port, Portal of Sorrow. And during the recording, was it like pulling teeth to, to get it together or was just things not working? Um, I think it was after it was done, you know, and I just took it in and listened to it as a whole uh, when it was finished. It was just, um, it was, um, it was different for black metal music, but it just wasn't different enough. It was still that genre, you know, still a genre of, of music that I've heard from myself and from other bands and other music, you know, I've heard it from black metal before, you know, and I, I was looking for something, for something else. And something when you're doing the nocturnal poisoning albums, the first thing I noticed is that, is that the themes were just different and that you were writing in a, in a different lyrical mindset. Was that a big, important thing? Yeah. Yeah. That was important. You know, I mean, I, I, I was, uh, you know, I was trying to say things that were more, uh, you know, real, uh, sometimes, uh, I've been, then that was the beginning of that. Uh, I, you know, I'm not really into writing about freezing moons and, and swords and castles and all that bullshit because it's not real. Um, so I just wanted to, you know, and then in the beginning when I started that, I mean, some of it seems a little vague and, you know, but it's but it's in that direction of more something more real uh, today. Like as of today, you know, it's like it's becoming way more explicit. Uh, you know, it takes it takes time to you know hold back less and less every time until you're not holding back at all anymore. Do you feel in in this time in this day and age in our climate that you do have to check yourself a lot when writing lyrics? No, not really. I mean, I I, I know I know what you're talking about. Um, totally, I do. But um, I, I think you could really, uh, a lot of people don't, they think that there's a lot of limitations because, you know, in this day and age, there's so many things that you can't say, but there's so many things you can say. You know, you just have to leave certain words out of your lyrics and you could talk about anything you want, I think. I mean, it's just all how you say it. It's not saying what you're, uh, what you're trying to, it's not worrying about what you're trying to avoid saying, you know. It's just like, well, I can't use you know, the A, B, and C words, so I can't talk about anything. That's not true. I think you can talk about anything you want as long as you just, you know, there's certain things that you have to leave out, but there's so many things you can still include. If you can talk about anything you want, just, just it's just all about how you say it. Yeah, and that's and that's something that I think is is an art form, delivering the message properly instead of easily, if, if, if I may. Well, you know, uh, I just pretty much just write you know, what I, what, what's on my mind and it just leads to, you know, other thoughts and other experiences and other things that I've seen. And that's pretty much it. I just keep, I mean, I write every day just about whether I want it or I don't, it just happens. I, you know, I don't plan on it. I just do it a lot. Do you want people to revisit your older catalog now, or do you want them to just stay the course on the new stuff? Like, are you looking for a completely new audience? Or are you still trying to maintain your older audience? Um, you know, I, I can't really, I can't control what people want to listen to, you know, I mean, if they want to 
Um, I, I hope people will get more out of what I'm doing now because I think there's more to get out of it. But if, if people want to hear something from, you know, 10 years ago or 15 years ago, whatever, that's, they're going to do what they want to do. You know, I mean, are you proud of everything you've put out though? You mean like in the past? Yeah. Like, like everything that like um, I, I can have access to access to, like, would you be proud of, of all that work at, at this stage in your career? I'm never really that proud of anything. Um, I, there's certain moments, you know, I mean, there's a, there's a couple of songs, um, on every record that, that I still like and, you know, I'm proud of, uh, you know, uh, as a whole, um, maybe a couple of records or so, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was all like trial and error the whole time, you know what I mean? And learning as I went along and, figuring it out and changing things up as much as I can. And sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't work. Uh, and the people listening to it just kind of, uh, maybe they stuck through it, through all the ups and the downs and the downs and everything like that, you know? So that's just the way I look at it. I mean, there's a few songs, a couple songs in every record that I like and some that I don't, some that I could have done better and, but it's too late now. <laughs> Yeah, totally, man. So, and and the black metal scene. I mean, recently there's been some negative press towards certain leaders in in the scene and certain bands. Um, what are your thoughts on separating art from the artist? Separating the art from the artist. Yeah. Um, you know, that's something that um, I, I think a lot of people try to do, and it, it's a it's a good thing if they try to do that because it's kind of um, it's like an un, unbiased kind of thing. To to to, sub, to 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 not in real life, people got problems. You know what I mean? And people fuck up, just like non-artists do. You know, and to kind of dismiss what they can do and their abilities and what they sing about and what you know, I try not to do that. You know, I realize that people you know, people have their own <clears throat> their own issues, their own problems, and you. I try to separate separate it. You know, but if if you feel like and I know this is just a kind of a, a weird segue to the question, but if you feel like you're supporting someone that has done a criminal act, let's just say that has harmed something or someone and, and you are wearing their shirt in town and you're associated with them, let's just say that's a scenario. Do you feel comfortable in that scenario or do you think that it shouldn't even matter? Well, you know, I mean, when somebody's wearing a shirt of somebody who's done something, you know, sick or whatever, uh, they probably feel like they, you know, they probably have a, a bunch of shirts of that band or a bunch of LPs of that band. And if they, I, I, I guess they feel invested in it already. And, you know, because, uh, the band did something stupid and, you know, they enjoyed it to a point. I mean, they're, they're maybe they're trying to separate the artist from the art or whatever you were saying. Mm. The new material that you're putting out, you, you've labeled kind of like doom grass. So it's like for fans of the doom genre, but it's also got that, you know, acoustic, that bluegrass style to it. So in a lot of ways, it seems like it's still very seeped in like the metal world, despite, you know, the uh, the instruments and stuff like that. Is is that still how you kind of feel about this project? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I've, you know I've, I was really learning a lot um, from a lot of, uh, you know, blues, country, bluegrass, all kinds of acoustic style of picking and everything. I was just kind of 
picking out that kind of thing, learning some of the scales. And then after that, you know, I just kind of, I got the hang of it. I just kind of started doing my own thing and mixing it up and changing it into something, you know, darker or stranger. And, uh, you know, like all kinds of acoustic music is kind of like, to me is tied you know, bluegrass country, whatever, uh, blues and all that. And, um, and then it's just my, you know, the doom thing is like, you know, doom doesn't necessarily have to be slow. Um, I think like the message of it is like, can be heavy or ominous like doom. Like, you know, the true meaning of the word doom is like when you look it up in the dictionary or whatever, um, it's doom in a way and I know it's like a sludge kind of slow way. Yeah, totally, man. A hundred percent. Yeah. That's something about like the ambient music. Like when, I, I've always told people like if you go down that rabbit hole and kind of listen to bands that are really into that ambient sound, you start hearing the difficulties of putting those sounds together. You know? Yeah, I mean, it can be too too technical to be called doom. I, I would think. And now, one thing about like coming from your origins from the black metal world, you were a one man band, and a lot of those songs are written in an isolated way so you're going to be isolated when you're doing these things and then for for a lot of artists like compromise is uh the hardest thing to do in music but almost a necessary thing to break through did you ever experience times where you were just kind of isolated and didn't really have to compromise and was that a positive for you or a negative well i don't i mean i don't ever compromise you know if i if i compromised i'd be still playing black metal you know what i mean yeah. um that to me that would be compromising that would be doing what i'm supposed to do that would mean not doing what i need to do and want to do if i was doing that um means i'd be playing the same genre that thousands of people are playing today and i um but the um, the isolation part of it being isolated i mean everybody really ought to be isolated if they're writing music i mean i don't think i don't understand how they could how anybody could put something together you know in a social environment um and how to come out right and be focused on it when i interview bands a lot of them will virtually do it via email and just send clips to each other right then put the songs together and there has to be a, a you know a compromise in that process so you don't even you don't experience that at all no no i don't i don't believe in that i never did even you know five ten years ago plus I, I never I never really believed in that I don't believe in the email collaboration kind of thing and uh, I mean I believe in like you know either writing it down or if you're gonna play music with others um, you know getting together with them and getting it down and practicing rehearsing it and writing it sometimes even together and you know sometimes when people ask me to do something like the email I mean but, I mean, the most I could do is, like, maybe lend some vocals to it or whatever. But other than that, like, putting it all together, um, everybody piece by piece through email or, or whatever, I don't, I don't really believe in that. So you believe in an organic process to make it genuine? Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Is, is there um, anybody that you write with on this newer material, or just, is it all you? Um, well, yeah, it is all me. I, I write it all, and music, riffs, uh, lyrics, and all that. I write it all, but the people I'm playing with, they're pretty good, so they they learn everything. 
in the live setting, do the songs kind of change? Because, I mean, you're on a tour right now. As you guys are going through the tour, do you stick to exactly how they're supposed to sound with this style of music? Or is there kind of like a growth as you guys play more and more? Like timing-wise, tempo-wise, things like that. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, um, we play everything faster, a lot faster live. And it's meant to be that way, you know. um, On some of the past, you know, past few self-released CDs, um, the tempo was a little slower than I wanted it to be. I mean, I like the songs and everything, but I just, I'm not, I wasn't really too happy with the tempo of it all because of, um, you know, just recording stuff carefully and the tempo, I think it dragged a little bit, um, even though I like the songs. And so ever since I've been playing live, I've made a point of it to pick up the tempo on all of it and, you know, I'm happy with the way that it turns out live. I mean, I I care about playing live more than recording, you know. I think it's better live. Oh, in this day and age, it's it's live is um it's a commodity. Like, you know, it's it's you have to get people out of their house and be like, "Dude, you have to experience this." This is something that I think a lot of us grew up with, but the newer generations, I, I don't think they understand the importance of uh of seeing things live. I mean, I would prefer uh, an hour of a live band that is just blows my mind and I don't never need a recording of it ever again because that moment really it, it lives on in your mind. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I totally do. I mean, uh, I've recently seen, you know, the bands that we're touring with. I've, uh, the tour just ended yesterday, but you know, just taking those two, for example, uh, it's it's kind of the same thing with them live, you know, like hearing them, it's kind of sped up, it's more technical live, it's more, you know, a little meaner and nastier live and everything like that, so I, I, I totally agree with that. And you just got off tour with Wino, correct? Yeah, yeah. Does the songs just get faster as it goes through the whole the whole tour? Is that the same experience that, like, you guys had with these other, and you're watching these other guys? Yeah, uh, they get, uh meaner meaner and heavier and um you know they just get more pissed off as as each goes on and i i love that though it's like because you mentioned it's in it's, it's an acoustic performance but it's the same audience that you know the metal audience and like i said everybody that's involved is is in this scene so um a lot of the same vibes and experiences and crowds are, are, are exactly the same or do you feel the audiences are kind of mixed yeah, I think it's kind of mixed. I mean, it, it takes a while for it to be a mixed audience. You know, it's taken a few years or so to to get all kinds of people coming out to the shows. Um, there's, of course, there's going to be a metal audience there because because of Wino and because of the older Zaster stuff. But it's been, you know, it's been changing a lot. Like people are actually, they actually know what they're going to get. And they still show up anyway, you know. Some it was kind of a few years ago. People didn't know what didn't know what to expect, and other than getting the, the, the same black metal thing, and then not getting it, you know, that, that's that used to happen a lot. But now people know what they're going to get, and they show up anyway. That's a victory, man. I like that. That's awesome. So yeah, yeah, that's been good. With this, with this project too, um, there's a lot more instruments you can kind of put into the fray. Are you playing different kind of instruments and different kind of, you know, just just for the songs, or do you, are you kind of just mastering the current instruments you guys are using? 
Um, it's, I just pretty much use uh, whatever I can get my hands on, but mainly focusing on, you know, 12 string, six string acoustic guitars. And if I have anything else, uh, that I can use like a piano or something like that, I'll throw that in. Uh, if I don't, then I won't. Gotcha. So let me go back to black metal just for one second. Cause you were a part of that scene and, and it was a big part of your life. Who do you think was the most important, uh, American black metal band? in this last generation? I'd probably say Leviathan, hmm. probably. I don't know. I don't have a list of black metal bands in front of me to like, you know, to run my finger down. Um, I can't really, I don't know. There's been so many that I, I, I it's hard to just pick one. Yes, no, I understand. But that, that's, that's a popular pick. What makes you think he stood out from a lot of the, because you know, like you said, a lot of the genre has parameters. I feel like that has more parameters for a musician the black metal scene than than any other scene currently in music right now. I feel like you have to really have a certain formula. But what makes you think that he transcended that? Well, because um, you know he he does things the weird way, the hard way. Uh, he does things pretty old school or organic, like like you were saying. And you know he's just good at what he's not just like he's not he doesn't record some like shaky like rehearsal that isn't tight and, and puts it out. I mean, what he does really tight, you know, and it's uh, very thorough for, for that kind of music. I, I don't know. I think it sets a, a good example. It's not, it's not, you know, when you hear his music, you don't think of like some, some kid in his basement, you know what I mean? It's, it's like, it sounds like a whole band and out of one guy. I, I feel you did too, though. I mean, you know, in, in your in your records as well, though. I, it always felt like there was so much more going on. Was there an instrument that was challenging for you? Because you played all of them, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, correct? On your records, was there an instrument yeah, that you found the hardest to kind of master or or learn? Uh, yeah. I mean, actually, probably most of them, except guitar. You know, like I did, you know, play drums for a while. I was just pretty average at that so you know i just had the focus on the songwriting more than the drumming i tried to do it that way um, i was terrible at playing cello i could only play like three or four notes of it and piano and keyboards i mean i you know i could play that and i could get creative with that kind of stuff but it's just uh i don't know, i have a, a an attention span problem with piano and keyboards for some reason even though i can do it um, it's just not something that I really stick to. It's just, uh, today I'm just sticking to what I do best and not, not what I do below average or anything like that. What do you think about like concept records? Is that something that you think you would try to do with this, uh, this new version of you guys? I think that I'll just make a concept record without even deliberately trying to, you know, it's like, I won't go into doing one saying okay this one's gonna be a concept record I, I don't i don't think that way like when it's done uh somebody could call it that or somebody could not call it that really i don't i wouldn't intentionally do that i just do i just do what comes to me and um that could make it a concept record so like i have a few uh reoccurring themes that i that i'm never done with and instead of one theme that you know for a whole record I, I can't just write about one thing the whole time because that would get 
boring to me or boring to somebody else, just having one theme over and over again. I, I have a few that I, that I go back to uh, that I'm never done with that seem to never end. Yes, yeah, so we all have that trauma, man. That that we have to, and you have somewhere to put it out. I mean, that's that's a a great, that's a gift. I think for our, a lot of people, don't they just have to internalize it, you know, and to right. to get that out and have people relate to it. I mean, it's a special thing, you know. It's a scary thing for most people. Um, yes, it is. It is. It, it, it really is. And leaving it, like you said, everything's open to misinterpretation, you know, with. Right any kind of music you put out there was that a tough was that a tough thing for you to accept uh early on in in your musical journey um early on uh yeah i mean it's just uh oh i mean a long time ago it was just open to interpretation i i and i just had to leave it at that you know uh today uh it probably still is misinterpreted if it's misinterpreted um the way i'm writing today that's that's not my problem. That's just, just interpreting it all would be uh, a miracle for anybody to do today. I mean, whether they misinterpret it or interpret it or something in between, uh, that was it, just to interpret it at all would be really something. We'll, we will always try, you know, we'll always try to take something, you know, that, that someone's written and relate it to ourselves, you know, in a lot of ways. Right. I mean, it, it, I mean, I think it can, the way I, I see it is that I'm writing about things and subjects uh, people can relate to uh, whether they want to or not. That's up to them. They may not want to. And then those that do, that connection is is what keeps you. Uh, it's what keeps fans forever. It, it, even if it's misinterpreted, that's what I love about music, movies, art. You know, um, it's all about timing when it hits you. And if you hear the right words or the the right see the right scene, it, it stays in a place. It's all about getting it out there. And, uh, right. and that's, that's what's, uh, so powerful about it. But I also, like we were talking about it, the one thing that I think transcends all that, that makes the moment truly pow- powerful is that live performance that I promote nonstop on this show, go out there and see it. You know, that's, that's the most important thing out there. So with that, I know there's an EP that you were selling on this tour that just ended, but is there a new record in the works for, is it 2018 or is it going to be like more like 2019? Uh, probably more like 2019. Um, we're supposed to go to uh, a studio in October, like around the middle of October, and record uh, a new full length for Prophecy Productions. And um, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I've never really, you know, I've done some guest things in the studios before, but mainly I've just done everything from wherever home is. And uh, so it'll probably be out in 2019. And, um, you know, I really want to take advantage of the time recording it and, um, make it as thorough and complete and not leave anything out. Are the songs all written right now or are you going to do a lot of that in the studio? No, they're all written. Um, a lot of, a lot of what, um, is going to be on it is we've been playing it live this summer. Nice. So it's, it's all been tested. Yeah. Is yeah. There, yeah. Yeah. Is there any song that like you notice the audience was just all about? Um, well, they like, uh, sometimes they, they got like this one shit Creek and this other one mirror in the face. Those seem to be the, you know, popular ones. We like playing them and we, we get them right just about every time. And, uh, those are kind of ones that people, uh, expect 
to hear, and, and they usually do. Nice. And so last question, but I just wanted to check, uh, music video-wise, I think you've only done one in your career, unless I'm mistaken. I do apologize. Are, are you thinking about doing more with this current project? Yeah, I'm open to it. I mean, it, it seems like I don't really want to make a video just like with a, with a band playing and like lip-syncing the words. To, you know what I mean? I don't want to do anything like that. I I would want to make it uh, a collage of everything that the band is about and the music is about. And just, I mean, I would do it, but it just seems so complicated. Uh, if I get the chance to, or if I have the time to, I will, but no, I don't want to make some typical video at all. It would, it would just, it seems like it would be a lot of work, but if I had the time and the opportunity to do it, I would. Yeah, I know videos can hurt a band's image these days because uh, if they put something really cheap out there, it's part of the legacy. A lot of people always kind of forget that when they're promoting a record. But those videos, like that's one of the first exposures for a lot of the younger crowds these days because that's what they're going to look for, you know? Unlike the YouTube. Yeah, I would like it for the video to take you into the into what the words are all about. Um, you know, like kind of acting out or filming uh, whatever the the subject is about rather than, you know, singing about mountains and not even having a mountain in the video, just lip syncing stuff. And I, I don't, I don't believe in that. Dude, I like it. I like the vision. I, I, like I said, your career has been nothing but inspiring the live shows that you are doing more and more of, it seems like, uh, with the new project. So, uh, everybody guys, make sure if you haven't checked out, I'm going to promote subject to change. It came out a couple years ago. Uh, I think it's a great record. I don't know. How do you feel about that record? Um, well, I mean, I like all the songs, but I've, you know, if I'm still playing most of the album live, then, then I think it's pretty good. Um, the way, I mean, the recording isn't that great. I'll just come out and say that, but the songs are good. So it was kind of recorded under some pretty hard circumstances and in many places. And, yeah, the songs, though, the songs are where it's at for sure. And a good recording is still very important. I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is that like now now with this project, the songs really are what, what are going to stand out. So truly excited about this new record in 2019. You're going to be in the studio, so these are going to sound up to par, you feel? Oh, yeah. I mean, this is going to be, I mean, it's going to be the best one yet because, you know, we're going to a real studio to do this and taking our time, and it's going to be, you know, very crystal clear uh, like it should be. And it's going to turn out the way that we always wanted it to turn out. Scott, I want to thank you so much, man, for calling in uh, and giving us an update on, on you and, and just talking about your career, man. Okay, yeah. I'd also like to say, you know, thank you to guys and to Chris and Rachel playing with me and Nate, the guy who came out and did merch for us and did some tour managing. And if you can include that. Oh, 100%. Uh, yeah. No, it takes a team. I want everybody to know there's a team out there. There's there's always a way to help out and, and be a part of, of something you know you believe in, even if you're not the musician on stage. Like I really I really promote that for everybody out there. So, All right, man. Well, enjoy the rest of your day, man. And again, thank you so much for giving us the interview. Okay. Thank you very much. It's heads you lose and tails they win.
same as holding on Can you find yourself or are you gone?
life they lead When they don't choose to die Look at the mirror but never ask why Not someone I know
All right, guys, and we are back. Played three songs. The first two you heard. First track is called You Lose, and the second one is Against Your Will, and that is off the new EP, Aestis Pretium 2018, which is out now. And then the last song we played, it just shows you the black metal days of Zastor. That is one of my favorites off uh, Telepathic with the Deceased, which was released back in 2004. That song is called Slaughtered Useless Beans in a Nihilistic Dream. Guys, make sure you check out Zastor and just go through the whole gamut. Just a lot of... A lot of Great music he's been putting out for a lot of years, but make sure if you see him on the road, you do check out the new Dude Grass style. And with that, guys, once again, we hope Jocelyn Sharp is well and is here next week. Um, everybody, make sure you send her well wishes. Kiss. That, that, and Brandon wants to see. You're going to see Kiss on their farewell. I bet you money you see Kiss on the farewell tour. If I get tickets, if somebody just hooks me up with tickets, I'm going to go see fucking Kiss. Are you kidding right, me? It's fun, right. dude. Yeah, Who's I, gonna, I would, too. Yeah, I, would I mean, too. come on. I'm not going to sit there and go to Kiss and just be blown away by it. But it is fun. Paul Stanley, dude, he's like 170 years old, and he still goes out there and fucking delivers, dude. I'll give him credit. I'll give Give the band credit. And with that, Kiss got shit on in the beginning. Now gets credit from Brandon Hahn. That's the story. It's full circle. It's It's always full full circle. circle. The Metal Sucks podcast is signing off. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.